It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and boy, we've got a full couple of hours all planned out for you. But I wanted to start the show with something that I saw this week and I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri has introduced the David Dorn Back the Blue Act because he feels it is critical to get law and order, that we need to have uh, the support that our law enforcement needs, not only in Missouri, but across the country. And he says it's extraordinary to see in St. Louis alone There have been nine police officers shot in the line of duty since June. That's nine. And we are hearing uh, nothing from the Democrats, nothing from the woke corporations and celebrities. And that's why he is introducing this bill. He said he would give a pay raise to every cop in America and put more cops on the streets. And anytime I've seen a news reporter, uh, you know, man on the street on the corner in, uh, you know, areas that are, you know, super dangerous, uh, it seems like the residents want more police officers, not defunding the police, but more police officers. And Hawley goes on to say, it is time we stood up and supported our law enforcement. The safety of our neighborhoods depends on it. And again, it's named after uh, Captain David Dorn, who was killed back uh, early June uh, when he was trying to protect a friend's business, if you remember uh, Lee's Pawn Shop. And if, if you hadn't seen the video, uh, it's horrifying to see uh, because we basically saw David Dorn dying on the video. It was, it was just so sad. And at a time right now that we need more law enforcement, uh, I can tell you that the numbers are in, and the numbers talk about uh, the, uh, the death uh, in St. Louis is meeting, at this point, it's meeting the deaths all of last year. And sadly, that number is uh, from the homicide of a 15-year-old girl shot to death in St. Louis, has become the 194th homicide victim in 2020, matching the total, as I mentioned, for all of 2019. And we still have three and a half months still to go in the year. So it's 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 very sad, and we do need law and order. We need more police officers. There's, there's no doubt about that. And did you hear this story? Poll workers who signed up to work the November election in O'Fallon out in St. Charles County were urged in an email to act surprised if voters asked why they aren't wearing masks given the coronavirus threat that we are all experiencing. But the elections director said that the message was misinterpreted. Uh, The uh, St. Charles County Election Authority sent an email to poll workers on Wednesday this past week, and it says workers will not be required to wear a mask on November 3rd, but to keep one near them and put it on if a voter asked. Uh, He says, you may act surprised that you don't have a face mask on properly and then apologize as you put the mask on. The email states, wear your mask correctly until the voter leaves the polling place. Please do this every time a voter says something to you. Uh, That's words of uh, Kurt Barr, the county's director of elections, said the email was simply poorly worded. Well, then I'm thinking you need to proofread before you send an email out, something like that, because so many people are talking about the election and uh, will it be a fair election? Are you know a lot of people going to be doing mail-in balloting? Of course, absentee balloting, that's, uh, that's uh, a, a proven way to vote safely, but the mail-in balloting, it's a little bit, and I've talked about this on my show quite a bit, you know, uh, you know whether you need a notary or not. You just got to go to uh, Missouri.gov to find out uh, details for your area. Of course, the mask mandate is, is definitely stronger in St. Louis City and County, but in the outlying areas, uh, you know, Illinois side as well, check the rules before you go to the polls. But it still, it still amazes me that you can walk into a Walmart and, uh, or a Target and go shopping and uh, you know be around people and all that stuff, but yet you can't go to church 
uh, certainly without not rest- you know without restrictions. And uh, you can't uh, you know you can't congregate, you can't get together as a group. So it's a it's a very confusing time. But it baffles me that you can go to a Walmart and wear a mask if you want to or not. But uh, when it comes to uh, church or even voting, uh, th- those rules are changing. So it's it's just very very tough right now. I don't I don't see the difference. I think you know polling places usually are separated at least by walls and the polling place I go to it's held in a gymnasium so there's plenty of room to put the polling stations out there where everybody's socially distanced and of course wear a mask that's a respect for your fellow American right uh, but I guess we'll see how that's going to shake out uh, coming up in the show we've got a lot going on we're going to ta- we're going to debate debates we got that coming up great news from Grant's Farm they're about ready to reopen and a bow on the go stop in Hillsboro Missouri but coming up next we'll talk to Alex Rich about his experience at Arrowhead Stadium. It's all coming up on the Bo Show on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. It is the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and a colleague of mine, I think he looks retired. We're friends on Facebook, and he seems to be traveling a whole lot. So let's check in with my buddy Alex Rich, who's actually on the KMOX staff. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm doing well, Bo. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. Oh man, it's no, it's my pleasure because I, 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 tra- I travel so badly. I, I just am a bad planner, and I'm looking at your Facebook page. I'm like, dude, semi-retired. I think I, he's my <laughs> hero. You were at Arrowhead Stadium last week. I was. How I was, was that? Was, How was that experience? It was pretty awesome. It was my first uh, Arrowhead experience. Never been to a Chiefs game before, um, but was able to go out there. You know, people have told me time and time again, oh, man, Arrowhead is it's unbelievable. The the fans there, it's so loud, <laughs> um, the tailgating, everything. But um, unfortunately, obviously, it, it wasn't completely full, but still being able to be in there with the 15, 16,000 fans, whatever it was, um, was pretty awesome. Yeah, in a stadium that holds 80,000 or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, actually out in the parking lot, the, um, the tailgates were spread out. They had parking spaces between all the cars. Obviously they had a ton of extra spaces. So, um, they left room between each. And I think just to, to try to let people do their own little tailgate experience. Um, but honestly, you know, you weren't really near anybody the whole time that you didn't really want to be next to. Right, right. So you were kind of you're kind of like our embedded reporter or embedded man <laughs> on the street. So let let's talk about that since you'd never been to a tailgating or even a game at that at this point. You go because you know Missouri uh, has we've always fought to have football in St. Louis. That ain't obviously happening. Uh, but you know Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium is in Missouri, so it is our team. And I think right. I think it's appropriate that we cheered them on for the Super Bowl this year. Um, t- t- talk about the people that you met because I, I think from your pictures weren't you wearing a st louis shirt i was i was wearing a uh, a st louis shirt from arch apparel because i i don't <laughs> really have i don't really have i mean i got cardinal stuff and things like that but i didn't really want anything that said cardinals because i didn't want to stick out that much <laughs> right <laughs> so, so i figured a red a red shirt with some white writing would do but um you know it was it was it was awesome i mean you had your hardcore chiefs fans there that that never miss any games. Um, I mean, it's a different, it's a different fan base there. I would say it's very similar to your, to your Cardinal fan base, sure. but, obvi- but obviously 
you know, football in the NFL, it's a little bit more um, cut. I think the fans are, I think the fans get behind their teams in a little bit more of a party atmosphere. There's less games. So they make a, you know, it's an event. Pretty, pretty, pretty much make a weekend of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, so lo- let's go back to Battle Hawks uh, heyday, which was about a minute long. Uh, did you did you go to any of the Battle Hawks uh, games? I did. I actually had the pleasure of going to, gosh, I, I, how many games were in St. Louis? I, I don't even know. I went to quite a few of them. I, what was it? Three, two or three were in St. Louis. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, then, so my, my what's the comparison more. of the crowds? I mean, Battle Hawk, it was a new thing for St. Louis and, and there's a chance it could come back. I heard the rock bought into, uh, into the, the, uh, the league or something like that. Um, yep. but, but that fever, that, that football fever was still there in St. Louis, like it was at Arrowhead. Right. I gotta say, I, I, I will hand it to our St. Louis fans for, <laughs> for getting fired up for the Battle Hawks. Right. Obviously, you know, obviously two completely different leagues, but I think overall, gosh, those battle Hawks tailgates were pretty fun. The, the few that I had been to, but I mean, you know, chiefs for the amount of people comparatively, I mean, God, I guess 15,000, right. Was battle Hawks had about 15,000 in there. Right. I may be off with that number, but comparatively, I mean, if you're doing 15,000 to 15,000, the battle Hawks really, gave the the chiefs 15,000 a run for their money just because of the sheer buildup for it and the excitement. Now obviously, you know, the chiefs fan base and the chiefs stadium and um you know, the Super Bowl on the line, they're whole, a completely different story, but yeah, I mean, I would say for sure that that build up to the tailgate all the way through the game experience was pretty much, you know, as live as it could be. Yeah, I think it's epic. I think we're all hungry for these kind of events. So uh, when you see a Battle Hawks or the XFL go away, and you you know you see the NFL, you know, struggling to stay pertinent uh, with all the political stuff that's going on, it's it's still we are humans of America that like to get together and cheer on something and cheer on well, winners yeah. in this case. You know, well, well, yeah, and, and you could say the same thing pretty much. You could say the same thing pretty much about the chiefs build up for this, you know, for right. this past weekend's game, because the reality of it is that we, we haven't been able to go to any events over the past six, seven months, whatever it's, it's been. Crazy, yeah. And so for this to kind of be, I mean, I was telling people, yes, I'm excited for the chiefs game. I'm excited to experience that. But honestly, Bo, the biggest thing was just the excitement of being able to go to a stadium and an event where, people were together and just being back out um, in an atmosphere where it brings you more excitement than being in your house and, um, you know, getting out for, for a night out at dinner, whatever it is. I think that that was the most exciting thing was just being back in the public. I've never missed strangers so much. I, I, I went on a, <laughs> I went on a trip to Minnesota to, and I was around family. I hadn't seen in a long time. It's like, it just feels so different. Uh, it does. Uh, Alex Rich is my guest. Of course, uh, you've heard him on the Reardon Show. You've heard him uh, all over the place. And uh, and I, I do want to ask you though, on the political side, where did you uh, did you go into the stadium ahead of times uh, for the national anthem and all that? Did... I truthfully, I was, I was, I got in there, was getting you know the beers, the snacks, whatever else I needed, 
and stood out there for the national anthem. But then truthfully, from inside the stadium, it didn't seem as if people were being all that loud and booing during um, during those pregame festivities. I mean, right. I think it probably came off as a lot louder on TV. And again, I don't know that I don't I told Mark this. I said, I don't think that they were booing what it what it stood for. Sure. I think it was maybe people in the stands that were getting fired up about something that somebody around them may have said, whatever that may have been. But I don't overall feel as if the um, the moment of silence was being interrupted by booze of people disagreeing with what they were standing okay. for. Okay, so so you again, the, the crowd as a majority would be, you could say they were there for the football. They just wanted to be someplace, right? Hundred percent. I think that's I think that's really really what it was. I mean, there was a few people there that I saw that were disrespectful in the fact of you know you're in the stadium, everybody's supposed to wear the mask. They're telling you to wear the mask if you're not eating and drinking. Right. Wear, wear the mask. I mean, if you're going to go to the game and that's the rule to be there and you've got an issue with it, then, you know, that's your own issue. But I saw somebody get kicked out because they refused to, to put, like, I guess they were asked several times to put the mask on. Um, and if you're not actively eating and drinking, um, it gets to a point where I guess if they ask you enough, you know, they'll escort you out of the stadium. Sure. But that was the only, that was the only thing that, that I really saw. But overall, I think, you know, like you said, people were really excited to be there, really excited to be around football and other people in general. Yeah. I'm looking at your pictures on Facebook right now as we're talking and, and it looks like, you know, and I've been, I've been to major stadiums like this and it's like, it looks pretty sparse. Of course, this is before the game I'm guessing, but what's interesting is, uh, is I was flipping through TV this week and I come across, uh, uh, WWE raw and I don't know how much of a wrestling fan you are. I'm not a major wrestling fan, but I just came across it and I'll watch a, a few minutes of it. To me, if you haven't seen it, it is amazing. They have put TV screens all around the whole stadium, uh, where they're, you know, around the ring. So people are Zoom calling into the wrestling match. And it, to me, the production values alone was so cool because it still <laughs> felt like the fans were right there. And, you know, as opposed to a cardboard cutout you see at Bush Stadium, uh, I think I think a lot of sports could take a page out of the WWE book just because of the production values. And if you haven't seen it, go to my Facebook page. I posted a picture. I was like, that's kind of cool how they did that. I actually had a chance for a couple of the games for the NBA uh, my, my good friend plays for the Indiana Pacers, and I was a virtual fan for the NBA playoffs. Oh, game. wow. I didn't know they did that. And so it was pretty neat because um, after the game, you know, my buddy texted me and he was like, hey, like, I actually saw you up on the screen <laughs> in the stadium. So it was kind of fun where, you know, it kind of gave the players a sense of, yeah, I'm his buddy and I'm up on the screen, but it gave them a sense of like, there are still actual fans, you know, watching 100%, 100%. and engaged. Yep. And so it was really, it was really neat. But the fact that, you know, the biggest question I got was, um, can they actually see you on the screen in the stadium or is it just kind of put on there 
um, like a green production. screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 they really have it in. I mean, they really have it up on an LED screen in nice. the arena. So it's pretty awesome. But the other thing I want to mention is you can hear the Chiefs on KMOX. How cool is that? Alex Rich, thanks so much for your time, brother. And uh, and where are you traveling to next, Mister Semi Retired? You know, I gotta, I gotta uh, see see where the wind blows. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you live. <laughs> All right, Alex, thanks so much, man. Thanks, thanks, Bo. All right, stick around on the Bo Matthews Show. Next, we're gonna have the National Council on Aging coming up to talk about falling and how dangerous it is. They even have a week for it. It's called National Falls Prevention Week. We'll talk to them next on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. <laughs> It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And, you know, some things uh, are on top of your mind all the time. Uh, If you have elderly family members, a lot of us do. My dad's 76, almost 77 years old. And I don't live near him, but I'm always concerned for his safety. And if you have people in your family that you're concerned about, did you know that there is a week called Falls Prevention Week? And the National Council on Aging, uh, we've got Jennifer Tripkin. Welcome to St. Louis and KMOX. This this week is actually going to run the, this this coming week. It's uh, Falls Prevention Week. Can you tell me, first of all, and uh, let everybody know about the National Council on Aging? Sure, absolutely. And thank you for having me on your show. You bet. The National Council on Aging is the nation's longest-running services for aging. We're a respected national leader and trusted partner to help people age 60 plus meet the challenges of aging. And our vision is a just and caring society in which each of us as we age lives with dignity, purpose, and security. And I am the Associate Director for the Center for Healthy Aging, where we focus on falls prevention awareness and chronic disease self-management. And I am particularly interested in the falls prevention piece. As you mentioned, you know, falls are the leading cause of fatal and non-fatal injuries for older Americans. They're costly both in terms of economics as well as quality of life. Um, But the good news is that falls is not an inevitable part of aging and that there are things that we can do to prevent falls. And that's what falls prevention awareness week is all about, is creating that awareness of what are our risk factors for falls and what can we do about it to reduce our risk? Falls Prevention Week, what does that do? Other than being a week that we call it out, is there something that people can do to prevent this uh, any more than just thinking ahead? Absolutely. I like to consider it Falls Prevention Awareness Year, where we just simply observe it both at the national level through legislation and through many governors' proclamations during the first day of fall or the first week of fall which is going to be September 21st through the 25th this year. Oh my gosh! I just, hold on, I just I, I just got that, Jennifer. <laughs> I just got. <Yes. laughs> okay, it, now yes. it all makes sense to me. Okay, go ahead, continue. <laughs> so, so let the awareness uh, continue. Yes. Um, so, one of the things that you can do is to just know your your risk factors about falls. And this year, with the with the pandemic and everything kind of coming to a halt uh, in terms of in person events. We have created an online virtual tool called the Fall Tree Checkup, where it's a quick 12-question tool where you can assess your risk factors for falls, some of which are intuitive, such as exercise or strength and balance, and others such as our hearing and vision, which we might not necessarily think of as being the falls-related. So that 12-question Fall Tree Checkup tool can give you that first piece of knowledge in terms of assessing your risk and then also leading you to strategies to reduce that risk. So hopefully we're creating education about what are risk factors for falls, 
And what can we do about it? Because there are certainly things that we can do right now to reduce our risk in our home, in our in our lives, and things that our family members can do to help us reduce our risk. We have to, and it's it's always a horrifying story. You know, if you're on social media and you see, oh, my grandmother mm-hmm. fell, pray for her kind of thing. It, it's so true. And, and I think that this checkup tool is just, it's putting it top of mind that you really do need to do uh, some thinking about what you're about to do, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, walk into the kitchen or uh, whether you're walking out to your backyard, uh, it just makes sense. Can you can you kind of point out a couple of things that are in the falls checkup tool? Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned one of the first big ones is have you have you had a fall in the past and have you talked to a healthcare provider or others about your concern about falling? So communicating with others about your whether it's concern of falling or if you've fallen in the past and maybe not have experienced an injury is an important first step. One of the biggest risk factors for falls is having a fall in your history or experiencing a fall before. And even having a fear of falling can lead is a risk factor for falls as it starts to reduce our physical activity. It also depends on our number of medications we take. Oh, we that's know a that great the point. The more medications yeah. you take, the more likely you are to experience a side effect that might lead to a fall. We also have home, the home environment, as you mentioned. We have things around our house, whether it's clutter, whether it's a pet or a grandchild. There are things that we can do in our home to reduce our risk of falls, but also increase our function so that we can stay in our home longer and maintain our independence longer. So this 12-step questionnaire goes to a number of these risk factors, and then it provides some strategies, things that we can do in the immediate future to reduce our risk, as you you mentioned. You know, it's just amazing that there's an organization that's thinking about this stuff for us. So thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer Tripkin is our guest. And, you know, I have to tell you that, you know, I, I don't know, one of my biggest struggles in life is to find the perfect gift, a birthday gift or a Christmas gift for my father, who again lives at a distance in Jersey. I'm in St. Louis. And uh, a few years ago, I'd been to his house and he has these concrete steps that lead up to his front door. But there's no railing. So with a family member at a distance, I was able to get a railing installed uh, on my father's front steps. And I'm going to tell you, he has mentioned that gift so many times since I had that installed for him. I use it every day. I use it every day. Boy, it's a good thing. I almost fell on my butt, you know. And and so it is true because usually as we get older, we move slower and react slower. So if you're about right or if you're in the fall, you may not get your arms out to brace yourself or to catch yourself, and then your head is vulnerable, and that's where we hear these horrible stories. Wouldn't you agree? That is exactly right. And it sounds to me you gave a gift of maintaining independence and maintaining dignity. And part of that is knowing what your risk factors are, asking or talking about what they are so that others can help you, whether it's a family member or a healthcare professional like an occupational therapist. And that really is a gift that you're giving in terms of maintaining that independence and quality of life as we age. Well, I have to tell you, the pride in my heart, it feels good every time he mentions it, because I know I did something right. (laughs) Uh, You did. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Right. So uh, let me me ask you this, though. Um, When when did the falls prevention, of course, it starts in the fall. I just realized that. Uh, When did this program start, this this, uh, falls prevention week? Has it been around for a long time? This is the 13th year that it has been nationally recognized through legislation passed through the Senate as National Falls Prevention Awareness Day. And this is the first year we're expanding it to Falls Prevention Awareness Week. And in some states, there's Falls Prevention Awareness Month. And I looked up in the state of Missouri, the the Falls Prevention um, Coalition, which is called um, 
Show Me Falls Free Missouri Coalition is actually hosting a number of events. So right there in your home state of Missouri, there's a number of events going on around Falls Prevention Awareness Week next week, uh, September 21st through 25th, that you can find, whether it's local events and activities or even just knowing your risk factor events. Well, I think it's fantastic. Now, I, I've got to believe that uh, people that are listening to you and me speak right now about Falls Prevention Week. Can you suggest how to pass along this website for either family members or, uh, you know, the senior citizens of our of our area to, to go to the website? Absolutely. Um, when we talk about falls, that's often a, a, a taboo subject. No one likes to think about themselves as being vulnerable right. or at risk for falling. Whereas we know that as we age, there are going to become certain challenges. And maintaining our independence is dependent upon our ability to recognize what our limitations are, where we need help, but also what we can do proactively to stay healthy as long as we can and to stay independent. So it really is about preserving dignity. So talking about falls with family members is a tough conversation, but it is an important one. And it's all around maintaining independence, not taking away anything. And just like you gave your father the gift of independence and staying in his home and moving around doing the things he wants to do, that's what is at the heart of these conversations, not taking away but giving that gift of independence. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and again, I thank you for your focus on this mission to to get people to understand that there's a falls-free checkup on the website. Um, and it's also, uh, it's also bilingual, correct? That is correct. It is also available in Spanish. So at ncoa.org, you will, you will be prompted to take the falls-free checkup tool, and you can take that in Spanish. And we also have a Facebook Live event that's occurring September 23rd at 6.30 p.m. in English and September 24th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in, in Spanish, where you can also just have a chat about um, this falls-free checkup tool with healthcare professionals. That's great. That's great. Okay, the NCOA right? NCOA.org is the website. You can go there. And Jennifer Tripkin, thank you so much for uh, shedding some light on this uh, very important subject. And, and if, you, if you're nervous about bringing it up to a family member, you're doing it out of love. You're doing it because you're concerned. I mean, I've talked to my father about, Dad, sell the house, go get a nice retirement community, you'll have friends. And the response I get is, you're trying to put me away. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I got you a railing. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on KMOX in St. Louis. Thank you for having me. You know, I do want to mention another dangerous way to fall is to fall in love, especially if the one you have fallen for is not really who they say they are, as in a scam. Oh, boy. Stick around. Coming up next on the Bo Matthews Show, online dating scams with Patsy. We're going to talk about it next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. But I can't help falling in love with you. One of the toughest things during this pandemic has got to be for single people because how do you date when we've got a pandemic going on and everybody is isolated? You know, there are online dating apps that are out there. There are social media uh, people that are meeting there. But you've got to be careful. You really do. And I want to introduce you to Patsy. She's got a blog called OnlineDatingWithPatsy.com. Welcome to KMOX, Patsy. How are you? I'm great. I'm thrilled to be uh, talking to you. Well, uh, so I've got to know. The question that popped into my mind was, were you scammed? 
No, actually, I wasn't. Oh, okay, good. No, I wasn't. Um, I kind of just stumbled onto online dating. Um, I was at church, and I go, I'm Catholic, and in the back of the bulletin, they had an ad for CatholicMatch.com. All right. And now there was nothing going on on there. That one was fine. But then somebody else said, oh, you want to try Match.com? And I, not that I was really looking for anybody. It was more curiosity than anything. And so the very first guy that contacted me for Match.com turned out to be a scammer. Um, they always start with, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm in the Army, and I'm on a peacekeeping mission named that country. Oh, boy. Um, and I've run to tons and tons of people pretending to be our military. And I'm a big supporter. So that really bothers me. <laughs> and and so how long from uh, first contact did you realize he was a scammer? This particular one was quick because the next day at work, I showed my coworker, Candy. I said, hey, look at this guy's picture. And the first thing she said is, um, is he in the Army? And I said, yeah, he's a scammer. And I had never heard of this before. So she kind of explained it to me. So that night I came home googled about that uh u.s army has a great page which i have their information on my blog and um found this i i, I googled this guy's name and tim rundle i remember it and his his picture popped up and it said scammer oh, and boy. i freaked so i like emailed him back right away this was before i got good at the game right right because I, I was freaked out you know well we've all and seen catfish the, so we know where you've been we know what you're doing yeah. You're just doing your so own I, investigation. Yeah. So I just emailed the back, said, I just read about you online. I'm not interested. Never contact me again. And then I blocked them. And then after that, it became more and more. And that's when I, you know, I would tell my hairdresser, Debbie, I go, I should write a blog about this. These stories are hilarious. They're scary. Yeah. If you actually send them money. But I said, they're really kind of funny. And I play the game. I go by the name Suzanne Sugarbaker from uh, Designing from Designing Women. women? <laughs> I love that's awesome character. So I go by Suzanne Sugarbaker, and um, I have a fake Twitter. And then most of these now are Instagram. Uh, since COVID hit, my Instagram is blowing up with guys contacting me. What it is is they follow you and then I go in I follow them back and usually within a couple minutes right away they're sending me a message oh hey beautiful right oh hi hi pretty hey sexy the sweet talk will give you a cavity it is so heavy you know and I'm not saying and I'm not saying I'm not a girl that doesn't like sweet talk but dude I don't even know you Suzanne Sugarbaker uh so aren't you really scamming people if you're using that moniker well see I don't do anything they make first contact okay and then um, if you read some of the, I post actual conversations, the screenshots, and um, I just play the game like I'm dumb. I'm always a widow and I always have no children. Aww. That seems to, even though I'm just divorced and I have a 20 year old. And you're, um, lonely, but you're lonely and you're looking for, yeah, you know, somebody. You know, okay. and, um, so, I mean, a lot, I mean, I've had fake celebrities. I've had like six or seven Chris Pratt's and six or seven Chris Evans. I'm huge fans. Oh, you know uh, what? A friend of mine got scammed by somebody that said they were Bruce Willis, actually. Oh, I haven't had Bruce yet. Oh, I've had well. Keanu Reeves, and I have had Prince Andrew, Johnny Depp, uh, Prince Harry before he got married. Uh, they want you to donate to, like, their charities. Well, the first Chris Pratt asked me for an iTunes gift card. Uh, I've heard and that I scam. I thought to yeah. myself, 
dude, you're, you're a freaking millionaire. You know, I, like, I mean, I knew he, from the beginning, he wasn't, you know, because they're, if he's not verified, then they're, you know, right. they copy the accounts and pretend to be those people. And I'll, I'll play along for a while, you know? Hey, so this is, this is, uh, uh, because you know, the game is up, uh, the jig is up, if you will. Uh, yeah. you, you are playing along. This is, this is part of your entertainment purposes, right? Yeah. And, okay. and the, one of the reasons is, you know, so people, cause there's, I have actually a couple stories posted from the TV channels in St. Louis over the years of people who fell for this stuff. Right. Recently, Paul, um, Dr. Phil, who I don't normally watch, but my friend texted me, Hey, you need to watch it tomorrow. You know, yeah. he's going to have a lady on who was scammed and she gave close to $250,000 to these guys. Oh yeah. I've got a family friend of a friend that uh, did the same thing. And you did, that's the number. It was a quarter million dollars. So we're yeah. talking with Patsy with online dating with Patsy.com. Do you offer real advice to people that are single that are looking for somebody online? Do you give them advice on which platform to go to? I know there's plenty of fish and eHarmony and Match.com and all these things. Do you have that that information so, for people? All of them that I tried, because um, I did Match, I did Our Time. Um, plenty of Fish is a big one. And I still have a Plenty of Fish account because what's amazing is these scammers, some of them will use the same guy's picture. Like six different scammers will use the same guy's picture. I have that on Instagram. Right. And I'm like, I just talked to this guy. So I have a collage put together. So <laughs> as soon as they contact me, I send them the collage of all their pictures I've collected. And they're just like, where'd you get those pictures? You know, and then I throw in my uh, scammer meme that I created. And, uh, you know, and then some of them will block you right away. And some will want to argue with you. Keanu Reeves is a good one to argue with you saying I am him. No, you're not. You know, um, I mean, the new thing I've been doing now since COVID hit, um, I'm home more. And so I, um, will FaceTime them our video chat, but they don't see me cause I won't show myself. Right. So I have my phone like face in the ceiling. I have my microphone over by the phone and then I video, um, myself on my computer and it's me talking to these guys. And I think if people hear how they talk to you, um, you'll see they're just, you know, I mean, I play along one, one guy. Um, I think the title of that particular one was I, I deserved an Oscar for this performance. I played along. Like I was a lonely lady. I fake cried. Um, I mean, I really, this guy just thought he just had me. And then a couple minutes later, I blocked him, you know, because I'm like, well, I don't need to hear you anymore. But it, the, I'm trying to get the information out that this is what goes on. This is what they sound like. Avoid them. Yeah. You know, um, where I work, I'm friends with people in the cyber department. And the one gal sends me all kinds of great information to post. I just posted something the other day. Uh, but, it, you know, I have a great time, as you can tell. Okay. But it's also important information I also post. I think that's um, the that's got to be the takeaway from anybody listening that is lonely. There's a lot of lonely people that are in lockdown right now because of this coronavirus. So, they're, yeah. they're, you know, they're searching. I, we also watch uh, Love After Lockup. I don't know if you've seen that, but there's prisoners that have access to either phones or computers, and they, they connect on, on – there's online dating prisoner websites, and there's a TV show about it. So do your yeah. due diligence and, and watch some of these TV shows. Go to Patsy's blog. Take a look at it because, uh, you know, one of the biggest tricks that, uh, that uh, Neve from Catfish uh, showed me, you know, years ago was – the yeah. Google image search. You can go to Google, throw a, a profile photo up, and see if it matches anybody else. And oftentimes they do. Uh, so that's a that's a quick giveaway. Uh, I have the Reversi app on my phone. Somebody told me about that. 
and that bring shows up a lot of stuff. Doesn't always work. Yeah. When people don't know it doesn't always work, but for me about 85% of the time it comes up with something. And then I screenshot that and I send it to them and they're like, and a lot of times it will say scammer and they'll be like, Oh my God, where did you get that? And I, and I lie. Well, it's an app I created. I can find anything. Wow. (laughs) So this, okay. So on a serious note, you're trying to help people on a, on an entertainment note, you're trying to entertain yourself and you're doing it. Who are you going to talk to tonight? Well, I have to go on Instagram. I didn't go on Instagram at all last night. So um, <laughs> I'll go on and I'll see who's out there. I send them a message. And some a lot of times it's my best standard message. It's like, before we proceed, please take a picture of yourself with three fingers in front of your face so that I know you're real. Ooh. A military friend of mine said do that because, well, first off, military guys really aren't going to do message you like that, right. you know? But a lot of them will argue, what, you fake? You think I'm fake? Well, hello, you know. (laughs) Um, And some will, you know, they'll try to doctor up a picture. And then I can usually tell that was Photoshopped, you know. Words Uh, to live by. most of them don't do it. They'll send you a picture with one or two fingers, but not three. Okay, before I let you go, Patsy, what does your 20-year-old think of your activity? She actually created my first website. <laughs> um, it's a family she, out enterprise here. <laughs> she teases me about it, uh, but yet she supports me because I, my goal is I'm actually trying to get on the Ellen show, but no, she actually gets a kick out of it. Um, her friends think it's hilarious, you know? Um, so, but it's, it's, I, en- I enjoy it. It's my passion right now. Well, it's been my passion for almost four years. Oh, boy. Well, you know, and, the good thing yeah. is, is you are occupying some of these scammers so they don't have time to, to go scam other people. So you're doing that, uh, but yeah. you're in the know. So, hey, you've made it to the Bo Show on KMOX. Good luck on getting to the Ellen I'm Show. Excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. And, again, you can find her. That's Patsy. You can find her at OnlineDatingWithPatsy.com. I'm sure if you have stories that uh, similar to what she's talking about, she'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and, and, maybe and I'll you can, post them. And you can maybe look for, yeah, you can uh, sh- uh, see her stuff and, and learn from that too. Patsy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, stick around. Coming up in the second hour of the Bo Matthews Show, I've got a Bo on the Go stop, and it's actually an in-person one, not a virtual Bo on the Go stop. Uh, that is a local mom-and-pop business owner. We're going to talk to them. Plus, good news, Grant's Farm is going to be opening up very, very soon, and I don't want you or your family to miss out on that. All that is coming up in the second hour on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been it's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews with a bow on the go stop in person, believe it or not. And we're not wearing masks, but we are socially distanced, kind of. Uh, I am in Hillsboro, Missouri at Logo Daddy Graphics which I think is a genius name because uh, GoDaddy is the, you know, where I build my website, where everybody builds their Logo Daddy is the name of the company and they do a lot of things. We've got the owner, John Gibbs, and his right-hand girl, Kathy Phillips. Uh, thanks for having me in, first of all. Um, and you, you have a new location. You used to be in, known as a Cedar Hill location, but you moved to Hillsboro. Uh, why exactly did you do that? Uh, we needed bigger space. Yeah. We we had been in that location for nine, almost ten years. We outgrew it at about year five. We made it work for about five years <laughs> and decided this is never going to work. We have to get bigger. So we um, 
we moved, we had about 2,500 square feet there. We moved over here and now we have 9,000 square feet. And so how, uh, how long have you been in the building? Uh, we've been in the building um, since really about February. Um, oh boy, right at the beginning of coronavirus. Yeah, as soon oh as we moved goodness. in, basically everything shut down a month later. So we had a lot of big hopes for this year, but then it um, took on its own little 2020 took on its own world. But what we are seeing everywhere is signage. Signage everywhere. You guys do signs like, uh, you know, six feet distance uh, stickers on the floor. Absolutely. Do you guys do that stuff? Yeah, we do a lot of social distancing stuff. Uh, It's pretty much been the only thing our printers spit out for a while. But we do a lot of work for schools. So we do banners, we do uh, gymnasium wraps, we do wall wraps, window graphics, treatments, all those kind of things. So... Those things are still been going on, and even more so with COVID, because every water fountain has to have a sign on it. Um, oh, yeah. Every every door going in and out of places has to have some type of warning or sign on it. So we've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, our vinyl stuff's probably been busier than what it normally is, so that was a sort of a surprise because we didn't know what was going to happen there for a minute. Um, our screen printing has been up and down. You know, we have. Um, like we were talking the last three weeks has been the busiest we've ever been. And when um, you say screen printing, you mean t-shirts and hats? T-shirts, hats, yeah, yeah. any type of apparel. Are you in the Are you in the face mask business? Because I hear that's a thing now. You know what? It is a thing. <laughs> and we are in the face mask business. Kathy, you're the numbers girl. You're you're in the books here, right? Um, uh, would you say that uh, that this mom and pop can survive this? I do think we can survive it. I know we can survive it. What got you into this business? Actually, at the time that I got into this business, I was uh, doing excavation work. I okay. was a heavy equipment operator and doing different things. Um, so the girl that I was involved with at the time said, hey, I'm going to screen print and um, kind of needed a lot of help because it just wasn't working out. And then I kind of started learning about it and was like, hey, I really like this. This is something I just took a big interest into it and um, basically said, hey, I'm going to quit digging ditches and start screen printing and we work, did that work smarter than harder work right? smarter than harder okay yeah. so let me ask you if somebody has been at home and they're they've got an idea and they want to come to you with this mm-hmm. do, do you have a staff that can create i mean it's called logo daddy yeah, graphics absolutely. you guys can create a yeah. logo actually years ago you created one for me and we won't yeah. talk about it yeah. but we, <laughs> <laughs> right it was something yeah. funny but so you have that expertise absolutely so we do it every day we have um the, the beauty of our business is someone can come in with an idea and they can sit with an artist and we can basically bring that idea to life. Yeah. Um, we can brand that idea on several different types of media across the board. I mean, from, from vehicle graphics to signage to apparel to we have people that come in and they start brands. Right now, one of our uh, big customer for us is a, is a, his name's Wade. He's a guy in Australia and he owns Methanol Moonshine. And it's a... Oh, I saw that in your lobby. Yeah. So we um, we are the... Sounds delicious, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear that it's amazing. We haven't worked... He's working on getting everything into the States. Yeah. Um, but all the... Basically, all the apparel and everything, we just took over the exclusive rights to print all that stuff. So, so here's someone who... They were doing it in Australia. How did we, they find you? Several of our customers are uh, World of Outlaw race teams. Sure. Um, so the Jason Johnson race team, uh, Bobby Johnson, we're really close with her. She connected, she basically called me and said, hey, uh, one of our good friends in Australia, his name's Wade, um, he does this 
this apparel brand, and yeah. I think you want to be a part of it. So we said, uh, if Bobby tells me I want to be a part of it, I think I do. So, so is there a, is there a liquor involved in it, or yes, is it just absolutely. a brand? Okay, no, there's definitely liquor involved. Okay. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, it's it's just supposed to be amazing, and it's over there. They're working on distributorship right now, sure. so okay. I can't talk too much about that. But they're getting pretty close. But the apparel's awesome, and so then when I so then one of my artists, uh, Chris, who's been with me about 13 years, he's a big race guy. He said, um, I text him one night and I say, Hey, um, do you know who this Wade guy is from Australia? And he goes, That dude's a legend. Like everybody knows him, right? And I go, Come on. Well, cool. I got a Zoom meeting with him, and we're gonna start doing their merchandise. And he's like, What? So, um, so we're excited to be able to do that. We take care of all their online stores for purchasing the merchandise. I'm glad you mentioned that because I do know this. By the way, we're talking to John Gibbs and Kathy Phillips of Logo Daddy out of Hillsboro. That's where the headquarters is. But of course, in this world, you can be anywhere and work with uh, these kind, you know, this kind of company or anybody else. Absolutely. Um, But let's talk about that for those people that have an idea. Uh, you explained, uh, you actually, your team can create the store, the logo, the, the apparel, all that stuff, and then sell it through. So it's kind of a drop ship kind of thing where you don't yeah. have to touch any of it. Correct. So, so explain that. Correct. We have customers that can come in. Um, you can design a brand or a logo or, yeah. or say you have a race event, a 5K, uh, anything. Um, you can come in. We can design a shirt. We can set up a host a web store for you, and we actually have a customer success person just for our web stores right now because that's so big. So they, you work one on one with this person. We make it really easy through the whole process. We set up the web store. We print all the merchandise. We package and ship everything, and literally send you a check for the proceeds. Of Kathy, what's give, left. give me an idea of how many people work for Logo Daddy. We have 13 people working full-time and two part-time employees right now. Wow, that's crazy. That, that, that's, that's jobs, Even man. now. And, yeah. and, and are, you, are you possibly going to expand? Do you have room to expand? Oh, absolutely. That's why we bought this building. We, um, we, it's funny because in the last three weeks, we've been so busy. We're like, we could hire like four more people right now. Wow. Um, but knowing we're going to slow back down um, in our print shop a little bit. Maybe. So, maybe. Yeah. We don't know. We don't yeah. know, right? Things are, um, it, you know, it's been a little up and down. Um, we're going through our natural progression of slow and fast seasons um, so there's a little bit of that involved too you know um, usually January February for most screen printers is a slow time um, but what's great is in January and February we're wrapping race cars and race trailers and yeah because you do doing tons of shirts well. yes yeah. exactly so. and you know a lot of people in the industry that do the same thing as you yep. uh, are you part of a network or anything that people can find you at um, not really okay. um, so we um, I mean, we have certified installers that uh, belong to some networks, you know, where they sure. can find us that way. Um, but really, um, it's it's interesting. Um, one of our softwares that we use here at the company uh, is called Printavo, and Printavo connects a lot of printers. So it's interesting. Some of my biggest competitors are also some of my best friends. Right. You know? um, one of our big competitors. I mean, I'm, keep I'm, your friends close. Keep your no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm exactly. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. My wife and I have hung out with uh, probably one of our bigger competitors in the St. Louis market. Uh, we've hung out with the owner and, and or the two owners. His name's not Joe, husband is it? and wife. No, it's not Joe. Okay. Okay. No. But I know. But uh, that's another competitor that we're. Pretty friendly. And Joe with. does a great job. Joe does a great yeah. job. They do amazing work. Um, this is not his interview. Though. This is, we're not going to mention his company. That's right. We're in Hillsborough. Yeah. We got to pay the bills here. Get the heck with you, Joe. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who you are. Um, so, uh, so what's what's the next step for your company? Um, just growing your client base. Yeah, You're right. obviously working globally. Yeah. Um, 
John and uh, Kathy, thank you so much for the time. I expect to get the dime tour. Oh, yeah. You didn't even say nickel tour yeah. in our text, but <laughs> the dime tour of uh, your company. But I wish you a ton of luck, and it's always good to see mom-and-pop businesses yeah. thriving, at least surviving at this time, yeah. because it is just so weird. So yeah. if uh, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, maybe they've got an idea for a t-shirt, hat, or whatever, uh, how do they find you? So two ways. You can go to logodaddygraphics.com, mm-hmm. uh, or you can call us. We're open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., and the phone number is area code 636-274-LOGO, L-O-G-O. And Kathy, are you the director of First Impressions? Do you answer the phone? Yes, I do. Okay. So <laughs> Most of the time. Listen for her voice when that phone uh, picks up. Uh, well, thank you guys very much, and good yeah. luck to you. Thank you both. Thank you. Okay, so that is your bow on the go stop. And if you have a company, uh, usually a mom and pop or a privately owned company I like to find out about in the St. Louis metro area, shoot me an email or a message. All social medias are Bo Matthews, B-O-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. And you never know, I might show up to find out what makes your company tick. Now coming up, CNET Magazine is uh, front and center. Ben Fox Rubin is from CNET. We're going to talk to him. If you don't know about the magazine or the website, CNET tells you what's new in tech culture and science why it matters and how it works and what you need ben fox rubin with his own version of a bow on the go stop to india we'll talk to him next on the voice of st louis kmox it's the voice of st louis kmox my name is bo matthews and i'm going to get on a friend of mine from cnet which is uh, really the go-to place for anything uh, technology uh, related in the world and ben fox rubin uh, prior to coronavirus made a trip to india and he had a mission he was going over to see what the realities were for the humans the indians that live there and their bathroom situation and the email that i received was actually it was it was kind of interesting ben fox rubin i don't even know if you know it but it's not a sexy topic that's what that's what's in my email and it's it's so true this is about uh what the world is grappling with on a global basis especially india uh but welcome back to KMOX, sir. how are you yeah, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate uh, the, the intro. I, I can't believe that you you had got this trip in just before uh, the coronavirus shutdown, um, but so thankful you did because now you can share with the world and a lot of smart people that listen to this radio station or these podcasts that we do uh, that maybe can help move the ball down the field, if you will. But tell me about your experience. It was uh, February you were there, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I actually was initially scheduled to go there um last July with, with, uh, with, with a different subject. And I had to cancel last minute. My subject backed out, uh, two weeks before I had already bought my plane ticket. And the reason I mentioned that is, is that this was the second effort to write about this subject about, you know, sanitation in India and trying to add technology to sanitation to solve the major problems there. And had this trip been scheduled two weeks later, it would have fallen apart too. So at at the time when I was there, uh, coronavirus was kind of this thing that was buzzing in the background. And we knew about it, obviously, because we were coming in close to China, but obviously India is not China, completely different country. And there was this awareness, but it, it wasn't, the thing did not really blow up until after I came home. When you got there, was there face masks being worn? So great question. Um, and it was this really intense foreshadowing, like, like looking back at it is that the only place that I saw anybody wearing any face masks, 
uh, was at the airport with the visa line uh, for folks that were coming in from Hong Kong, China, and Taiwan. Wow. And every single person there was wearing a face mask. No one else was in the entire airport. And, and you know, I didn't see anybody else throughout India wearing face masks. Cause it's just a, that it just wasn't what people did back then. And obviously now everybody does wear face masks. So this was, this was a really, str- and, and, and I kind of looked at those folks and that line and I, um, you know, I made a mental note of it and I never really thought that that's what would happen in my life, you know, pretty soon afterward. Right. Right. Is this your first time that you went to India in February? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it was, yeah, it was, it was quite a, uh, quite an experience. It's, it's not a, it's not a relaxing place to go. I'll yeah, say no, it's not, no, it's not a beach in my ties. Um, I had some friends I, I, I will share with you. went on a church mission trip twice to India and they spoke uh, about the poor hygiene practices that, you know, they're walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden somebody's just bending over and just relieving themselves, uh, one or two, whatever. But your goal was to find out about uh, a company that is trying to come up with these smart toilets and they've come up with them, but tell me about that, that, that the, the, technology part of it i will confirm by the way that i did see a lot of men uh relieving themselves basically everywhere that i went uh that's that's a pretty typical practice and uh it's one that the government has been working on on stopping as far as open defecation uh uh, with related to feces that is also an issue especially in rural rural communities and poor communities Uh, and that's also something that the government has been working on this company that I went to visit, it's uh, in Faridabad, south of New Delhi. It's this tiny little startup that's really trying to add technology into public toilets to make them work better. And the, you know, the broad pitch of it is, is that the government will build public toilets, especially in poor communities, and then they will, but they won't maintain them, and they'll go, just they'll become dysfunctional almost immediately within a couple months or within a year. So this company called Garv Toilets, they build their toilets out of steel so they can last a lot longer. They can withstand a lot more usage. Uh, They're much harder to vandalize. They're, you know, kind of vandalism resistant, which is also a problem in these areas. And um, they also overlay all of these real-time sensors on the technology to make sure that they continue to be functional that they're working properly. Right, and uh, people so, are washing their hands. I saw a video that you had put out. I guarantee you right now, Ben Fox, Ruben, that we've got listeners going, hey, they need those in California and San Francisco and, you know, in L.A. now is, is you know, rampant with open defecation and open, you know, urination. Uh, but what people don't understand is, you know, we got 1.3 plus billion people in India and they the poor sanitation is leading to hundreds of thousands of deaths every year in India. So... It is so yeah, it's necessary. Over 120, 000, it's over 120,000 deaths a year due to poor uh, sanitation uh, related to diarrheal diseases, and a lot of those are children. Unfortunately, children under the age of five are much more susceptible to diarrheal disease, so, so they're, they're especially vulnerable for this. So it's this really sad humanitarian situation where yeah. you and I don't have to worry or think about toilets. We just, you know, it's just this thing that exists in our lives, but there are hundreds of millions of people. It's, it's mind boggling for me to think about still. Me too. Yeah. The stories my friends came back with is ridiculous. Yeah. There are more than 344 million people in India. This is according to uh, world health organization statistics from 2017 that do not have regular access to toilets. 
And if you're having a hard time wrapping your head around how many people that is, it's more than the entire population of the United States. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Well, I've, I've been to Sturgis, South Dakota for the bike rally, and uh, bathrooms are sometimes hard to find uh, when you have, you know, this year a quarter million people or half million people showed up, and you do find uh, Johnny on the spots or outhouses, and you, you, you know, you're, you're so excited. Okay, we found one behind this bar. There's seven of them, and you open the door, and it's overflowing, and, I, and I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is a rare situation, but this is rampant in India. Yes. Yeah. It's about 25% of the population doesn't have regular access to toilets. So that's, that is really, you know, and, and I do like internally there, we have a lot of people that work in San Francisco at CNET and they mentioned the issue of open defecation. And I, I know it does exist with the homeless population to a certain extent there, Right. but you're talking about what is it? 1%, 2% talking about 25% in India. Oh. And unfortunately when you reach that level, it becomes a health crisis because fresh feces, I'm sorry to talk about it so much, but that's what the story is about. It is a public health problem where fresh feces can transmit all sorts of diseases, including cholera, uh, hepatitis, um, and, and, and the novel coronavirus. So, uh, and you mentioned hand-washing. Hand-washing is a major issue that really needs to get reinforced, especially in rural areas, especially in poor communities. And to a certain extent, it's not these folks' fault in that they don't have fresh running water. So, um, again, we're so used to these things and we take them for granted. You know, I want to go and take a shower today. I don't have to think about it. Right, right. Uh, there were folks that I talked to when I was in India that lived in slums and that lived in tent encampments that they did not have regular access to toilets their whole lives. If right. they did go to public toilets, they had to wait hours to use them. Oftentimes they were disgusting. I went to a slum, government built toilets. They were horrible. And so Garve Toilets has been around for how long? I th- were they have they been five around? years. Yeah, five years. Five years. They've only got twenty nine employees. So you're talking about the oh second mo- most populous country in the world. This is uh, you know as you mentioned, one point three billion people. They've only built like a thousand of their toilets. Wow. A lot of them are pretty high tech. They have to customize them uh, and manufacture them w- with the coronavirus. Their installations have been slowed down because they had to deal with lockdowns. It was so compelling for me to get to write this story, not even before, like before the coronavirus, but especially afterward, to really talk about how vital certain elements of public health are. It's not like it solves everything, uh, but it is something that you would think should be able to help or should be able to reduce transmission. Uh, So the real reason that CNET sent you over there uh, is to just share with the world how bad things are, correct? Well, um, I pitched this idea because to me, when I first started reading about this, it, it was it was really surprising to me yeah. how much death and disease can be caused by something that's so basic, a lack of toilets. Everybody's using, it was yeah. also to me fascinating that, you know, this is something that people here not only take for granted, but kind of ignore. Sanitation is kind of this completely overlooked disregarded and disrespected totally yeah it's it's just you know people don't really think about it so much but it's actually incredibly vital sanitation is something that has saved so many lives over the centuries and so that's why i pitched it and the idea was to talk about how um technology can help this problem too because obviously cnet 
we do write about health issues, but we are primarily a uh, a tech publication. Right. So, oh, believe seeing me, how Garf Toilets, you know, creates this kind of concept of smart sanitation and how they can benefit people that way. Yeah, to us, that was really interesting. No, and I, I appreciate you making the trip to do this investigation because I'll be honest with you, I saw a subject in my email, Smart Toilets from CNETS by Ben Fox Rubin. I'm thinking you're coming you're coming on the radio with me to talk about LED lighting, bidets, and all kinds of cool stuff, and it's like, oh, no. This is like the most basic. We have basic. written about those, No, too. I know yeah, you have. I remember I, one I, previous CES show, uh, we wrote about an Alexa-enabled toilet. Right. And it was like kind of the talk of the show because they were like, why do you, why do you need a toilet that you can chat with or whatever? We and are so spoiled. It, it is pretty funny, yeah. yeah. And, and there is a lot more that can be done as far as innovations in sanitation. And it, just, and you it know, has the, been really cool to see some of them the next, uh, when I was in India. The next conversation has got to be about fresh water and, and what they're doing for, for you know drinking water over there. My goodness. Well, Ben, yes. ben Fox Rubin, I always appreciate your time. Uh, and, and I would encourage anybody to go to CNET.com and, uh, and check out the video that, uh, that he had uh, filmed in his investigation. But uh, thank you so much for making that trip. I'm glad you're home safe. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Let's talk again very soon. All right, stick around. Coming up next, great news, huge news. A place that has been closed down for the entire summer, which is so odd for our area, is about ready to open up. Grant's Farm is what I'm talking about, and we will give you the big update. Coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My guest now is somebody you definitely want to hear from because I've even been thinking, gosh, I wonder what's going on over there. Uh, we have the director of Heritage and Anheuser-Busch, Jeff Knapper. Jeff, welcome to KMOX. How are you, sir? Very good, Bo. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. Well, the one thing I've been uh, concerned of uh, every time I've gone uh, past Grant's Farm is how are the animals doing that you guys all have? Uh, everything's going really well here. The animals are great. Um We've had a lot of time to, to do a lot of a lot of work with the animals in the facility here, so uh, things are looking great at Grant's Farm, and um, everybody is happy and healthy. And I'm sure the animals are missing all the people that come to see them every year. Um, so tell me the status that you guys have been going through during the uh, the pandemic era uh, at Grant's Farm. You know, we've just been following state and uh, federal guidelines, and um, and then. Uh, working with the company team here to make sure that everybody's safe and uh, secure and, and try and do what the right thing is. So um, we decided that we weren't going to open uh, this summer in normal fashion uh, due to the pandemic, but um, we've diligently been working on some um, plans for drive-through experiences here at Grant's Farm. Love and that. Uh, Yeah, we're really excited. We're going to do our first time ever drive-through Halloween experience at Grant's well, I think that's very exciting because, of course, people are wanting to get out and, and do things, and Grant's Farm has been there for so long as an attraction. And if you're hearing this and you're going, you know, I have never been to Grant's Farm, which I, I, I've been on the property, but I haven't uh, been there as a, like a, I, I was there for a charity event because you guys do a lot of charity events over the past years. and uh, But I've never been as just a, a, a patron, just to, just to come and see what it's all about. And so because things are so different, Jeff, Tell us how things uh, will change uh, for p- people that want to plan to visit you, whether it's the Halloween drive-through or or other activities that you have going on. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Grant's Farm is known um, in St. Louis for a great, uh, great visit many times throughout the year, and we're known for our Halloween experience, our family Halloween experience. So, 
Um, basically, how they're going to change this year is uh, guests won't be able to uh, actually, you know, get in our trams and drive uh, and ride in the trams throughout, but they're going to actually drive through in their own cars right. um, and um, go through basically nine different areas, uh, what we call haunts, throughout the throughout Grant's Farm. And this is the first time ever. I mean, the guests are going to be able to be in the cars with their family and friends. Um, we're... Uh, and they'll be able to drive through through our guard gate up up through Pumpkin Hill is what we're calling it, and around the Barnhof, and then into our Tear Garden, which we um, are calling Winterfall, and it's kind of a medieval um, area. And then uh, they're going to drive actually into the Deer Park um, and drive through the Deer Park where we have um, our farmer's market uh, gone wrong, and we've got Sleepy Hollow, and we've got an archaeological dig, wow. and a cemetery, and Area 51. So we've got we've got everything <laughs> laid out just to be um, just to be a really great time for all these uh, St. Louisans and, and everybody in the in the regional area that wants to get out and maybe is questioning what they're going to do for Halloween. Sure. Um, you know, the, we're encouraging the kids to dress up, and all the kids that are dressed up in costume are going to get a, a bag of candy from us, and we'll have a little care package for the adults, and and um, with some of our sponsor information and such. So we're really excited about it. We've put a lot of time and energy, and we feel like we've got something for all ages. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've got to believe that although tourism is down of, you know, but St. Louis is a great hub for tourist things, the aquarium and, you know, uh, Bush stadium. Normally, uh, Grant's farm has got to be on that list. And, and I believe that people are still, you know, doing road trips or day trips from Indy or Casey or whatever. They just want to get out still like, you know, like I do, like you probably do. Um, so it, it definitely is, is a, an exciting time because on October 1st is when you will officially open. Correct. That's correct. So we're going to, we're going to start October 1st and we're going to run through October 31st. And in a, a quick summary is basically it's $40 per car. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be queuing down in our parking lot. I would encourage everybody to go to grantsfarm.com and, and take a look, um, what our schedule is going to look like due to the t- uh, kind of time change and starting to get dark, uh, earlier and earlier. Um, the, the first couple of weeks we're going to open at seven, um, and then, uh, about the middle of October, we'll move to six thirty. but I would just encourage everybody to go to grantsfarm.com and look at our schedule there. Um, we're doing reservations, um, online reservations per evening. So that's a, that's an important component. So if you get a reservation, it's, um, good anytime throughout our operating hours. So if we open at seven and close at 10, anytime between seven and 10 guests can come, um, get in line. And um, go through um, the, the experience with their family and friends and uh, in, their, in the comfort and safety of their own vehicle. Uh, I bet the staff out there that works with you is excited for it to get going because it has been the weirdest year I've ever lived in and probably you too. Um, but, you know, Grants Farm is such a cherished uh, destination. And I'm so glad to, that, that I even had this opportunity to talk to you because, you know, I mean, the original mom and pop is Anheuser-Busch way back when and, and you know, Grants Farm. And to see, you know, at the beginning of all this, uh, I, a friend of mine, I, I mentioned it a couple of times, um, Andy Frisella, he owns Supplement Superstores and First Form. He And I heard him on a podcast. He said, you know what, this is, this is going to be a time where you're going to have two types of people. You're going to have people that will just fall and 
and crumble to the wayside and you'll have other people that will improve and they'll, you know, get better. And of course he was talking about all aspects of life. And so it's really refreshing, Jeff, to, to have you telling us that you guys have been working all summer long, uh, and, and doing things that may, maybe you wouldn't have had a chance to with, you know, the nicer weather, uh, maybe projects that have been on hold because normally you're, you know, throngs of people are at Grant's farm throughout the summer. So hopefully it's been a good opportunity for you on that. It absolutely has, Bo. I mean, you know, I think what you said is just so perfect, and um, we've been working incredibly hard on the infrastructure and um, just refurbishing, doing things that we normally wouldn't get the chance to do throughout the year. So uh, Grant's Farm is looking as, as good as it, it, it ever has, and the animal program and the animals are, are doing wonderful. And sure, they miss the people, um, but, you know, we've we've been so productive this summer, and, and we're excited to, to you know, uh, Grants Farm and Anheuser-Busch, are, we're just excited to be able to give back to the community, the St. Louis community that's given us so much over all these years um, with uh, something unique uh, and different to do on Halloween. While I'm sure there's a lot of parents wondering what that's going to look like this <laughs> year, hopefully this this um, adventure and this experience will, will brighten the Halloween season for many, many people. Totally. In the area. Yep. I, I can't agree with you more. And again, uh, families that are looking to get out and, and do an experience like this, you know, uh, Grant's farm and, uh, Anheuser-Busch has always been first class in, in this area and always a destination. So, uh, really good to hear the update from you, Jeff. And, uh, I, I do thank you for your time again, October 1st, it begins for the whole month of October. Just go to grantsfarm.com and the director of heritage and, uh, Anheuser-Busch, Jeff Napper, thanks for joining us on KMOX. I sure appreciate the time. Everybody's talking about the election. It's coming up really soon. November 3rd is going to be here before you know it. Heck, we haven't even seen presidential debates yet. So coming up next, I'm going to check in with my buddy Brian, and we're going to debate about debates on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And before we get done, I want to check in with my buddy Brian. And we're going to call this segment Debating Debates because they're about ready to begin. But before we get to Debating Debates, I have to I have to tell you, I just learned something. Saturday Night Live, of course, is coming back early October, just in time for a few weeks of uh, comedy before the election. And they've picked an actor who is going to be playing Joe Biden. Can you think of who that could be? Any ideas? Oh, I would love to see Leslie Nielsen. Is he alive? I don't know. But it would be <laughs> wonderful. Uh, it's actually going to be Jim Carrey. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, you look that'd, at a, that'd be interesting. You look at a side by side picture, and I, he'll be able to pull it off. Of course, I just don't know in which form he is going to be uh, playing or portraying the vice president. Uh, so it'll be interesting. So that's one thing I wanted to share with you, but we are a little over a week away from the very first debate. Now I've had debate parties in 2016. I will never do them again because it turns into be a six hour event with a DVR. You can pause. Uh, but I'm sure you're anxious to see the very first one. Oh, definitely. I'm still trying to figure out what drinking games to play. <laughs> you know they're going to come up with rules, and maybe we should come up with our own. So, yeah, next weekend we'll have a set of rules that you'll go by. Uh, Chris Wallace is going to be anchoring it uh, from Fox News Sunday. He's going to be the moderator, and uh, it's it's set for 90 minutes at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Um, do you think there's still a chance? Do you think there's still a chance that there's going to be a way to work themselves out of it on the Biden camp? I think 
going to give it a shot. Like, I'm sure there's people going to try to talk him out of it. Like, remember, he'd like to take Trump behind the woodshed. So uh, maybe they should have a debate behind the woodshed. <laughs> well, you know what? There's going to be some, there's talk about something similar to that uh, because just this past week, um, I had heard Joe Rogan. I listened to his podcast. I heard Joe Rogan uh, say that yeah, I'd I'd, I'd uh, moderate a, a debate between Biden and Trump. And I think he's kind of a middle-of-the-road guy. I think he's, you know, conservative on some things, liberal on others. But uh, I think that would be about as real as it could get. Because Chris Wallace, tip tip of the hat to that guy, he is definitely making uh, people, he's always made people accountable for the questions he asks and that he wants the answers. He's always, he'll stop somebody midway through an answer. It's like, no, 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 I want the answer to my question. So I do have a lot of respect for him in that aspect. But Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan, that could be uh, a, a bringing him out behind the woodshed kind of debate, don't you think? Well, and one of the fun things about Joe Rogan is that I don't know if you watch his podcast regularly, but most of the time he's smoking weed and offering <laughs> it, offering it to his interviewees. So well, that yeah. would open up a whole new world, though, with <laughs> with uh, Biden and Trump. You, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't believe Trump would do it. I don't think the man has ever uh, smoked marijuana or had an alcohol drink in his life or certainly in the, in decades. Uh, but I don't know about Biden. I mean, we've heard uh, president Trump say, I, I think he may be on something because when he was on the uh, debate stage with 20 other people, uh, he was kind of all over the place, but when he was up against Bernie, he did okay. And and so Trump's thinking he might be on drugs, and Trump said he was willing to take a drug test himself. Right, right. And then I, I don't doubt that, uh, that well, I mean, at that age, I think most people are on some sort of drug. Uh, but it did seem like when he was going head-to-head with Bernie that he was on some sort of performance-enhancing drug. I don't know uh, what that would be. Lucid. What would that be? Would that be like Adderall? Because my my trainer, I won't name him, but my trainer was going to school to be a paramedic for crying out loud, and he he told me, "Oh, I'm taking Adderall. I'm just crushing these tests." I'm like, "What? What are you doing to yourself?" And he helps you focus, from what I understand. I, I that's what I understand too. I've never tried it myself, but uh, it, it it could definitely be interesting. And like I said, I would love to sit and watch a debate with you, but there ain't no way I'm doing it. It is me and my television and my own popcorn. Uh, because I just want to be able to soak it all in. I want, because I really, you know what? I just want to vote for the best guy or the best person. I should say. Yeah. Out of the whole field of candidates, Tulsi Gabbard was the most intelligent out of all of them. And and she got the least amount of love from her own party. So we never really got to see her. No, but I've seen her on other, uh, you know, network programs and man, she is sharp. As a matter of fact, before Joe Biden picked, uh, Kamala Harris, as the vice presidential candidate, I really thought Tulsi was going to be in the running for that. And I'm sure she was probably, you know, the cream of the crop, but he didn't obviously pick her. I doubt if she would run with him. (laughs) I I really believe that. Uh, I I think she can stand on her own. I don't think she wants to play second fiddle. And, and, you know, the vice president's job is to really try to further the the agenda of the president. And, And he's too busy, you know, doing stuff for the squad right well that's that's true i mean i've been watching a lot of videos on uh, on my facebook video list the ones that exist anymore um but so yeah tuesday september 29th that's going to be uh, popcorn night at my house i'll be watching it alone uh the next one is going to be october 15th and october 22nd do you see an opportunity for 
Uh, see, I still think that there's a chance that Biden will pull out of the, the Tuesday, September 29th debate, although I think he'll throw, he'll try, he'll go for it. But uh, so now that's the one with Chris Wallace. Yes. Okay. I thought Chris Wallace was doing the third one. So my, I'm, my I'm information says that. it's Tuesday, September 29th and Very good. it could be wrong. It's WashingtonPost.com is where I'm getting this information, but after- and, and I don't hold out a whole lot of hope for Chris Wallace. I, cause even though and, uh, you were mentioning earlier that he was, you know that he's pretty even-handed and really, really uh, holds them to their to answer his questions. But he certainly didn't treat Joe Biden anything like he treated Donald Trump. I would agree with that. I, you know what? I think he was just paying attention to his audience. His audience being Joe Biden. Uh, when he talks to him and, and Donald Trump when he talks to him. Uh, so that'll be interesting because he is definitely makes uh, whoever he's interviewing accountable for the answers that he is looking for uh, to his questions. As we get closer and closer to the election, will th- will there be an opportunity for them to pull out of uh, you know presidential debate number two and number three? I mean, I, it, it could happen. It could happen. I think it's going to depend on how, how number one goes. Yeah, uh, it, it, it may be a whole lot of number two, which we talked about in this last hour. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Rogan uh, debate. I think that would be fantastic, personally. Definitely. All right, Brian, always good to chat with you. And uh, you know what? We will chat again before the big debate. You got it. All right. This is the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Have a great rest of your weekend.